to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. You're listening to The Friday Fix. Every Friday, I share a quick mental strength strategy that will help fix the thoughts, feelings, and actions that can hold you back in life. Last week, I put out a call on social media inviting you to ask me anything, and you certainly responded. It's been a lot of fun sifting through all the questions that you sent in. Some of them were a lot of fun. Some of them were kind of tough, though. I chose some of my favorite ones to answer today. I suspect that we'll do more of these in the future. So if you have a question that you'd like to submit, keep an eye out on my Instagram profile where you can find me as Amy Morin author. I'll put out a call for more questions in the future. So let's get started answering your questions. Hey, Amy, my name is Serena and I am a college student at Bristol Community College in Fall River, Massachusetts. And I chose your speech on how to become mentally strong for a public speaking class And I just keep analyzing it and overlooking everything you state. It's really changed my mental thought process. And my question is, how would you deal with toxic family members, not in the way of your success, but somehow always being there when a fault occurs, if that makes any sense? To sum up my question, simplified, it would be, how do you deal with minor distractions that become bigger? Hey, Serena, thanks for your question. I think that you're probably referring to my TEDx talk. So for people who don't know, you can find it on YouTube. It's called The Secret of Becoming Mentally Strong. So thanks for your kind words, Serena. I'm thrilled that you liked it. To get to your question, I think if I understand correctly, you're wondering about what to do with maybe the family member who turns minor issues into a crisis. I think most families have at least one of those people. Maybe it's the person that calls you to say that your cousin can't afford their rent this month and wants to invest a lot of time worrying about that and turns a lot of things into a catastrophe. So a few things you can do. Uh, Number one is set boundaries. Maybe you say to the person who's calling you or the family member who tries to turn something into a crisis is you just simply say, that's not my business, or I hope that person figures it out. Or maybe if that person needs help, they'll ask me. But to put up your guard in a way that it's healthy for you to not get overly involved in somebody else's crisis or somebody else's issues, especially if they're not looking for help. You could also just say, it's not really helpful for us to talk about this if you have a question. Maybe you should call that person directly or if you're concerned about them. But ultimately, you can make the decision not to get involved in the crisis of the moment when it comes to the family. And if you end the conversation, if you politely say, this isn't something I'm going to invest my time in or this isn't something that uh, I think is helpful for us to talk about, over time, that person might get used to the fact that you're not going to give this a lot of your energy and your attention and they might stop reaching out to you if you set those boundaries and you stick to it. Hello, Miss Amy. Good evening. I just wanted to ask the meaning and concept of meditation and on how to do it 
or performance because I get so confused every time I'm searching on Google what meditation is. And I hope you can answer my question. Have a good day. Thank you so much. So this is a good question. Uh, What is meditation? It's kind of confusing. I agree. There are a lot of people who talk about meditation and mindfulness and yet most people don't know what it is. And there's different kinds of meditation. People talk about transcendental meditation or people talk about mindfulness without having a clear definition. So I'm glad that you asked. Ultimately, it's about training your brain to focus on something. Might be a phrase that you repeat, but it also might be about becoming more aware of the present without judgment so that you can live in the moment. It's not about clearing your mind. You're never going to clear your head of any kinds of thoughts. It's more about just being, feeling like you're more in control of the thoughts that come in your head and not judging the thoughts that do pop into your mind. If you want to learn about meditation, there's tons of apps, tons of books, tons of things that you could do. I would recommend maybe an app like Headspace where they do guided meditation. And every day they walk you through a different meditation and that will help you learn about it, help you practice it, and it will give you daily reminders to do it. So in about 10 minutes every day, you can practice it and build up a more comprehensive meditation practice over time. Hi, Amy. Hi, Nick. Um, This is Emily. I just want to know what you have to say about dealing with people who are sort of emotional hijackers. They're not toxic. They're not, um, you know, the world's best people. They're somewhere in the middle and they kind of routinely manipulate situations so that whatever boundaries you had, they sort of hop over them and you wonder where they went. You know, how do you deal with those people? You don't want to cut them out, but you don't necessarily want to include them. Mm. It's a real puzzler. Okay. Yeah. Get back to me. Hey, Emily. So your question is about Emotional hijackers, which if I understand you correctly, you're talking about people who ignore your boundaries or maybe ones who make everything about them. So first of all, it's good that you say that you have boundaries and but then what to do when people hop over them. So it's important to address it. So if somebody hops over your boundary, you might give them some kind of a consequence, which could be simply just reminding them, oh, actually, we weren't going to do that today. Or remember when I said and fill in the blank. Ultimately, you can work on teaching people how to treat you. So it might be about changing the subject if they always want to make everything about them or they're always bringing something up about a crisis uh, that they don't like their job or making it in a, a conversation in a direction you don't want to go. You could change the subject. You can end the conversation. You might even leave. But you can also do the opposite, which would be to reward people for doing things that make the conversation more pleasant. So when they're talking about something positive, You might give them some words of encouragement to say, oh, that was really great that we had that conversation today. really want to make it clear that this is what I enjoy about our conversations. It was great to spend time with you today. And if the conversation goes south or things start happening that you don't like, you might just end the conversation or leave. Ultimately, showing them that you want to give them lots of attention and lots of uh, positive reinforcement when things are going well. So I hope that answers your question about how to deal with emotional hijackers. Hi, Amy. I have a question about gossiping. Uh, I've recently tried to give up that bad habit. And one of my very good friends tends to start conversations that lead to gossiping about other friends or other people in the neighborhood. And I'm not sure how to politely 
turn that down or change the subject or let her know that I don't want to be a part of that gossip, but still be involved in the group. Do you have any insight on that? Oh, so good question about gossiping. Uh, There are a few things you might do. You might have the conversation up front with your friends when nobody is gossiping, but to just say, gosh, you guys, I realized I have this this bad habit, only talk about yourself and say that I want to work on this because I noticed that lately I've been spreading gossip or I've been sitting around and and listening to gossip. So here's what I'm going to do from now on. And you fill in the blank. And it might be that uh, I'm going to try to end the conversation or I'm not going to take part or I'm going to make sure I only say nice things about people, something to that end. And then when it starts to happen, if it's occurring while you're in the group, you have a few options. You might decide that your comfort zone is to just stay quiet. Or you might decide you speak up and say, gosh, this isn't a nice thing to say about people. Or maybe you decide you're going to say something nice about the person, which can often make other people feel uncomfortable because it makes them realize what they're doing without you actually saying it. You might also try saying something like, if you're concerned about that other person, maybe you should go to them directly. Or you could just kind of subtly change the subject. So you have some options in how you decide you want to tackle it, whether you want to have this conversation up front or you just want to make sure that every time it happens, you have a specific strategy like changing the subject or ending the conversation so that you know going into it what your plan is going to be. And over time, you can make it abundantly clear to everybody else in the group that you want to take part, but you're not going to take part when they're gossiping. Hey, Amy, how do I develop the ability to essentially be okay with silence in conversations. Is that something that can be developed as a strength in your mind so you don't panic when a conversation falls into some kind of silence? Getting comfortable with silence is a skill. And as a therapist, it's something we often use in the therapy office. If I don't reply right away when someone says something, it only takes about two seconds for them to fill the silence. It's a great way to get other people to talk. So what you might do is practice it, just like any other fear, phobia, things that feel uncomfortable. The best way to get comfortable with it is to do it more often. And so in talking to somebody when there is a silence, you might just kind of count slowly in your head. One, two, and about two seconds is going to feel like two years because it can feel awkward. But I guarantee the other person is probably feeling the same awkwardness and they might rush to fill it before you do. So... Practicing it in conversations can help you. Count in your head. Remember that exposure therapy is the best way to get comfortable with something. And just do it as an experiment to see what happens. And nine times out of 10, the other person is going to jump in to fill the silence. But there might be those conversations where the other person is comfortable with silence. And that's okay that you don't have to always be talking. Sometimes it's okay to sit with somebody in, in silence. And the more that you practice that, the more comfortable you get over time. Thank you to everyone who submitted a question. That was fun answering them. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.